So we are in week 12 of Powered Cloud, um, and we're learning what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and the example that I've given time and time again is that with our smart devices, we have our information stored on what they call a cloud. And at any time, from any place that I am at, I have the ability to retrieve my documents, my pictures, my music. So for those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what power does that relationship give us? And it's important that we know that upon entering into relationship with Christ, there is a benefit of what he has accomplished, of what the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ provides for us now. So this is how we get into this uh, message that we're in. And we're saying that what happened on the cross is unlike any other event in history. That that one moment, um, death was conquered. That at that one moment, um, as scripture says, the enemy was publicly shamed forever. And all of our debts were paid for, canceled. Um, and that is a life-altering moment. Bigger than a tsunami. Um, it is more life-altering than the new Hunger Games coming out. What? It is more life-altering um, than Thanksgiving coming up next week. I mean, it's a big deal. There, There is nothing that compares with Christ conquering death. So that is the basis of this uh, message. And every single week we've been covering different aspects. Um, I want to pray because I believe that I need the Holy Spirit to communicate um, what I have worked on during the week, what I've prepared. And anything good that we hear through this is the exclusive work of Christ. And anything that comes out of me that is not beneficial, that is all me. I want to make that clarification. Anything good and helpful to you and edifying and resourceful, it's all Christ. It's his work. And there are moments where I hope there are not many, but that would be my inability. So that's why we trust and that's why I say it's the spirit at work this morning. So Jesus, uh, touch our hearts and our minds and allow your word to penetrate deep within us. Allow us to be changed uh, for the sake of your name. We thank you. Amen. So here we go. Um, the power of the cloud. So what we're focusing on today makes sure that everything in our lives works for good. So this might be one of the uh, most noted verses along with John 3.16 and it's Romans 8.28. And it says that we know that God causes everything to work for the good of those who love him. It's one of those verses that's out on t-shirts and coffee mugs and keychains and something happens and what do you do? Boom, you slap people with uh, Romans 8.20. At least if you've been around church, that it's very common, especially when something bad happens, when there's some pain and it's like, 
Here you go, Romans 8, 28. So um, my desire is that this morning, no matter where we're at with Romans 8, 28, whether we've heard hundreds of messages on this or whether it's the first time that we would see it as an opportunity to listen to it afresh. So before we get into breaking it uh, apart verse by verse, I want to start by saying this. Our God is able. Our God is able. He is the one who takes sunsets and creates them and moves it in order to be a sunrise. He is the one who, when we feel like we are in the desert and we are parched, um, he is the one who creates streams of water through those deserts. He is the one who turns darkness into light. It is extremely important for us to understand that our God is able, that there are no limitations. Scripture says that he stretched out his right hand and he created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and it came to be. Nothing is impossible for him. Luke 137, nothing is impossible for him. So I would like for that to be the first uh, building block of the foundation for this morning before we even get into the message. Our God is able. No limits. And there is nothing else in our life that works like this. You and I are finite. He is infinite. So here we go. We know. That's how Romans 8.28 begins. It says, we know. God is the Father. For those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we become his children. So if he is a father, we his children, we become his heirs. And he lovingly, beautifully chooses to reveal his word and his will and his ways through what? Through the Bible. He speaks to us. Poyo, what does God want me to do with this situation? It's in his word. He is a father who kindly says, I have revealed and I am revealing what I want you to know through my word. This is why it's extremely important that we take time during the week and that we eat his word because it is described in many areas of scripture as the bread of life. And if you and I only eat Sunday mornings for a few minutes in this building, then we will die of hunger. And this is nutrition that we need throughout the week. There are some great Bible apps out there. One of them is by uh, Life Church. Download it. It's free. Let it speak to you. If you don't want to read, you hit play and it reads a few verses for you. Just a suggestion to go out to throw out there. So here's what God does. This is what the writer of Romans says. We know. That's really good. He is revealing it to us. This isn't a wishy-washy. I wonder if he is saying clearly we know. And knowing trumps ignoring. 
This is what I mean. Many times we know the truth, but in our humanity, we choose to say, no, I want to ignore that because I can't wrap my head around it. So that knowledge almost works against us and it fights us because now we become ignorant to it. It's revealed to us. But since we are not able to perceive beginning from the end the way that God is able to, it almost blocks our mind and we say, well, since I can't understand this, I will choose to ignore. And then we can become foolish. We can be assured this morning that we know as we continue through Romans 8.28. Be assured that your father is telling you this and you grasp it and we believe it by faith. We know. What do we know? We know that God causes everything to work together. Everything. Now, we need to make a clear distinction here. This verse is not saying that everything that occurs is good. If you have a family member who is suffering with a sad and terrible disease, that is not a good thing. That's not what this verse is saying. This is what the verse is saying. That God causes even those painful things in your life, in my life, in the lives of our family and friends and our coworkers and our neighbors, He has the power because He is able to cause even those to work for good. So don't let anybody tell you that that pain that you're going through, that that um, disaster that killed thousands of people, that is an excellent thing. No, that breaks the heart of God and his children. But the beauty of these moments is that he can sovereignly, wisely, beautifully take even the hurtful things and make it as if it was beauty from the ashes. We must learn to, tr to trust the apothecary. An apothecary is what is known to be the oldest and most ancient type of medicine man. And this is what the apothecary would do. They would take individual ingredients that on their own would be poisonous and deadly. And the apothecary had such skill that he could combine a couple of these elements that individually would do a lot of harm. And he would bring them to work as a beautiful medicine. Notice the capital A I chose to put here. God is the supreme apothecary. He takes these things that sometimes hurt us so much physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And he is the one who beautifully, divinely is able to take those and not allow them to kill us, not allow them to hurt us to destruction. But what does he do? He brings beauty from them. That is the encouragement as we go through this life that is so full of pain and doubt and questions. 
that our God is able, that our God is able to take even the most hurtful things and use those for our good and His glory. If you've ever had uh, a moment to go to our website, which is loveinmotion.info, perhaps you've had an opportunity to read my story on the website. I share how the majority of my life, it was all about me, my needs, my desires, and in all that, I got so wrapped up in it that I could care less who I stepped over and who I hurt, hurting myself, the ones who I loved the most and anybody else who got in the way. And it was in my moment of most pain of desperation where God found me. He was able to take a moment of literal captivity for me, literal captivity for me, physical pain, emotional trauma, and it was in that moment that I found him. It was when I was at the end of myself that I got to the beginning of him. The divine and supreme and sovereign apothecary was working that to bring good into my life. Go to the website. Check out more details. Sit down with me and ask more about that. I love to talk. I would not be standing here this morning if I would not have been at the end of my rope. At the end of my rope is where I found him. Let me back up, where he found me. Here's the difference between people. There are people who know they're desperate and they refuse to ask for help. And they are th there are those who are desperate and they say, please save me. And those desperate ones who refuse to acknowledge Create all these mini gods, mini messiahs, mini saviors, and it's the job, and it's the relationship, and it's the health, and it's the next promotion that keeps us going. But guess what? All those will fail us. Every single one of them, every single one of them will fail us, and they will leave us high and dry. The only one who can save us truly is Christ. And we're all desperate. The only difference is that some will acknowledge and some will refuse and will take that knowing card and unfortunately, it'll turn into an ignorance card. God causes everything to work for good. And says that he takes it to work for the good. It's really important that we take that word good and that we try and understand what good is when it comes to God. Because reality is that you and I are broken. We're a fallen creation and we fall short every day. Hence, we need a savior, right? And the way God sees good is from the beginning to the end. He is able to see the grand scheme of things. So when there are things in our lives that aren't going the right way, what do we tend to say? That's not good for me, right? And we almost feel abandoned. 
But here's the thing. Our perception is limited. Hence, we need to fall on our faces and rely that there is one who knows all good and sees beginning from end. Here's how God sees good. If it's good, he will provide it for us. Things that he knows are not good for us right now for this season. His withholding is going to be tough for some of us. His withholding of that is good because he knows. The withholding of X or Y is good. Here's another way for me to state what I just said. Is that if he is saying, our God who is able, the one who knows beginning from end, that everything works for our good, if he's saying that, then nothing is for our destruction. If he is saying that he works everything for good, then another way of saying it is that whatever comes into our life cannot be for the sake of destroying us. But many times, especially when we're right in the middle of it, when we feel like we're sinking, we feel like it's for our destruction, right? He says, I love you deeply. He says, and I can take, and I will take that hurt and that pain and that doubt and that struggle, and I will mix it in with other things, and it will all work for good. What do they do with gold? Gold starts in its rare, in its most um, unpure form. And they put it through the fire and all of a sudden you've got 10 karat gold and then you've got 14 karat gold, you've got 18 karat gold, you put it through 20, you put it through major fire, you've got 24 karat gold, why? Because the fire is doing what? Burning out the impurities, right? What happens with the pearl? The pearl is, starts in this little clam which gets attacked by a parasite and the clam fights off the parasite and it produces something beautiful which winds up being a pearl. What happens with bread? You take this, this, this kernel of wheat, you smash it into flour, you put water and yeast into it and you knead it and you put it under pressure, you throw it in the hot oven and you've got something beautiful. The things that we're going through right now, they are to clean out, prepare us for those better things that he has. From ashes to beauty because the divine apothecary knows what he's mixing and he knows that the ultimate good and the final good is for his glory and our good. Who is this for? Who is he talking to? Everybody? No, there's a limited audience. He says that he works everything for good for those who love him. So, if we believe in God, does that automatically lead to loving? No. 
James chapter 2, the half-brother of Christ, writes that even the devil believes in God. And the devil trembles. Does the devil love God? Absolutely not. So believing does not equal love. So how do we gauge our love for God? Because the promise is for those who love God. How do we gauge that? So I heard a story about a little girl who was invited by her friend after school to go over to her house for dinner. And as the host is making dinner, she looks at the little girl and she says, do you like broccoli? She says, I love broccoli. So she finishes preparing dinner. They all sit around the table and they're serving each other these different things from different bowls and eventually comes the bowl of broccoli. And the little girl passes up. And the mom, the host, looks at her and says, I thought you said you loved broccoli. She said, I do, but not enough to try it. Many of us could scream all day long that we have a love for God, that we believe for God. But 1 John 3.18 says that it is words and deeds. Truth and action. Truth without action is dead. Faith without works is dead. I can say it all day long. I can see a need in your life all day long. And if I don't try to find a way to meet it, it means nothing. If I send you text for 48 hours saying how much I care, but I know I have a way to meet that need, you know what that means? Nothing. It says that his promise is for those who love him. This is a heart check. Not a condemnation check, a heart check. Am I all words? Or what happens when there is an opportunity to put my faith into action? When the rubber hits the road, what happens? And he says in another place, he says, those who love me will obey me. He's already saying, I'm looking out for you. He's already proven everything on the cross. There is no greater love than he that would lay down his life for a friend. No greater love. Our God is able. He takes all things, works them for good, of those who love him. All things. When the pain is there, he says, I am right in the midst of it. When things make sense the least, he says, I'm looking out for you. When we are desperate, there is an option to look the other way and say, I will take care of it. Or we reach out and we cry out for him to break through.
there's a pretty common song called O Come Emmanuel. And it goes like this. The first stanza goes like this. goes like this. It says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, his people, that mourns in lonely exile here. Many of us today are crying out like the song does in this first stanza. And, and this first part of the stanza is saying, I'm mourning and I'm hurting and I feel like I'm in captivity. Somebody needs to pay the price for my pain. This is part from scripture, from Isaiah 7. The virgin will give birth to a son and the son's name will be Emmanuel, God with us. And then there's something beautiful that happens as a song progresses. It says, until the son of God appear, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. Here's the secret to getting through our darkest hour is knowing that Emmanuel has come already. This isn't just a prophecy that is to come. He is with us right now. He is with you in your pain, in your hurt, in your mourning, in your exile, in your captivity, as it says. Emmanuel. And I can almost guarantee that for each one of us who is listening to this, he is often reminding you that he is with you. You want to know how? Through people who he's put in your life. An encouragement, a dinner, a high five. Hey, I'm praying and thinking about you. A look at your face and saying, I love you. I've been there. That's God whispering to you. That's not random. It's not by chance. You run into somebody in the hallway. That's God saying, hey, I'm in control and I have not forgotten you. He's saying, I've come already. And my work on the cross has set you free, he says. He says, you are no longer captive and you shall no longer be in mourning. Because Emmanuel is here among us. Jesus, we pray that uh, your word would take deep root in our hearts. We thank you because you give us the assurance and you say that we know now. We know now because you have chosen to reveal your word. Allow us to walk away today encouraged of your beautiful work, of your powerful work, of your redeeming work. The work of the cross that says, I have come to set you free. I have come to erase the morning so that you will no longer feel like you are captive. Thank you, Emmanuel, for being with us.